You see, as actors, the only choice we have is yes or no. Whereas if you're writing your own material, you're creating your own opportunities. This is my thinking, yeah. I'm writing the screenplay, and um, I find the whole process absolutely exhilarating. What's yours about, if you don't want me asking? Well, uh, how best to explain it? You've seen me in X-Men. Yeah. Uh, the character I am, Professor Charles Xavier, mm. if you remember, he can control things with the power of his mind. Yeah. Make people do things and see things. So I thought, what if you can do that for real? I mean, not in a comic book world, but in the real world. All right. So in my film, I play a man who controls the world with his mind. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. For instance, um, I'm walking along and um, I see this beautiful girl and I think I'd like to see her naked and so all her clothes fall off. All her clothes fall off. Mm, yes, and she's scrabbling around to get them back on again, but even before she can get her knickers on, I've seen everything. You know, I've seen it all. Okay. It's a comedy, is it? No. It's about what would happen, you know, if these things were possible. What's the story, though? What's the... Well, uh, I do other stuff, like I'm riding my bike in the park, and this policewoman says, Oi, you can't ride your bike on the grass, and I go... Oh, no. And her uniform falls off, and she goes, ah! And she's trying to cover up, but I've seen everything. Anyway, and I get on my bike, I ride off. On the grass. So, it's mainly you sort of go around seeing ladies' tits? Mainly. Hmm. And I do other stuff, like, um, I go to the World Cup final, and uh, it's Germany versus England, and I wish that I were playing, and suddenly I am. And I score the winning goal, and they carry me into the dressing room, and there's Rooney and Beckham, and then Posh Spice walks in, and... Her clothes fall off? Instantly. Sure. And she, she doesn't know what's happening. Uh, but uh, I've seen, seen everything. everything. Again. Good. Is there a narrative at all? Is there, like, a story in the, in the film, or is it just... Well, I'm a sort of uh, James Bond figure. Right. And I have to go to Iraq to rescue these hostages. And I get there and I rescue them, but they're all women and they're naked because their clothes have rotted off. But I get them into the helicopter and I'm flying in the helicopter, but I can still sneak a look in the mirror and I can see everything. You know, one of them's bending over, two of them are kissing. It's a lesbian. Yeah, because they've been in the camp for so long. It can happen. Well, look, uh, good luck with that. Um, I've just written a sitcom, but I wonder if you could give it to anyone you know, you know, mm, yes. film or TV. Is there any nudity in it? Any? Any nudity in it? Not really. Oh. Well, it could be. Men or women? Either. Yeah. Well, just women. Right. Well, I need a rewrite, but in the meantime, if you could give it to anyone that you know in TV or yes, film. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I will make it so. You've seen Star Trek The Next Generation, have you? I haven't, no. Why, your wife won't let you have it on, has she? I'm not married. Uh, your girlfriend, then? I haven't got a girlfriend. I, li I live alone. You're not married. You haven't got a girlfriend. And you've never watched Star Trek? No. Good Lord. I uh, had a, a, a idea for a song the other day. Um, and it would be... Uh, it goes something like this. Well, actually, it's just all singing. Well, notes. No actual singing. You know, the what is it? The... Uh, is it the eighteen twelve overture or you know the da 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 da? Yeah, da, da. that is the eighteen twelve overture. Yep. But we do, we do it as I would start out just meowing it, and then oh, when God. we get to the big boom ones, you Paul would go meow. 
So it would go, it would go, meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. Should I leave that in the episode as a preview? If you want, it's like, meow, 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 meow. No, so it's meow, 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 All 17 minutes of it, or? Oh God, I don't know that. Well, then there's the you got to get you got to get the, the uh, cannons then. Oh, yeah. What would we do for cannons? I don't know. I don't know. Is there any way you can find a sound clip of a cat getting strangled or something? Or like a big yeah! giant, big giant <laughs> fart sound? Not bad. <laughs> or like a big giant fart sound? I'm not sure that really wasn't a cat getting strangled just then. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, my girlfriend's got a cat. If I even make cat cruelty jokes, she gets very upset. <laughs> There's a new Alvin update. I don't know if you want to save it for the show. Hi, Holker with the Frog here with a late breaking news story. Alvin is okay. Well, uh, yeah, there's no Seems real maybe change. Maybe not so much. <laughs> no, there's no real change in Alvin's health. But remember what I paid to uh, to save the cat? I paid about $1,400 to save the cat. Well, I would rather save the clock tower. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, Ferris. Yes. <laughs> Save Ferris Bueller. But um, we went to a dinner uh, this past Wednesday night. I, I took the night off work because we had paid off um, the kids' braces. So the orthodontist had this uh, special dinner. Anybody that paid off, the ki- uh, paid off their child's braces before the 15th of April was entered in a drawing. And since I paid off both kids' braces, of course, that was via my 401k. But anyway, that was paid off. That was like freaking $400 a month that we were racking up on a credit card just to make the payments on that. So I'm like, this is killing us. So anyway, long story short, we, uh, which is usually not something I can do, a long story short, is uh, um, we went to the dinner and we found out there was only 29 people in the drawing and we had two chances because I paid off two kids. So that's like a one in 15 chance of winning. So we got down to the last... Well, roughly, it's like one in four. Yeah, no, that's, that was good. You, yeah, yeah. I'm very proud of you. Professor Allen would be proud of you. <laughs> I was rounding up. <laughs> I was rounding to the nearest five. <laughs> well, there was 15. But anyway, uh, so... How many was that, Doc? That 10? That was four. We'll call it 10. <laughs> uh, so you were saying? Uh, so we got down to the last... Next to last round of people, and one of our things, we got knocked out. So we got you get fifty bucks for being not not knocked out. So we got fifty dollars cash, although it went straight to my wife. I don't know how that happened. And <laughs> um, and you know, I'm like, I'm the one to pay the damn bill. What the hell? So, <laughs> uh, so then we got down to the last three people, and we were one of the last three. So then they have this. Okay, you can either um um. We can go all the way to the end, or we can average up with what you all paid, and then split that three ways. So when they did that, you know, you take it was like came out to about twelve thousand. So you split that, you average, you divide that by three, you get what's behind door one or two. Yeah, yeah, it was like let's make a deal. So so (laughs) basically, uh, I'll be getting back about twelve hundred dollars. So in a sense, Alvin only cost me. $200. Two hundred dollars. How much? How much did you actually pay for Alvin? Well, Alvin was for free. the bill. No, for the bill. You know. What I mean. Uh, it was like fourteen hundred. Yeah, yeah. That's what it cost you, whether you got this or not. Yeah. 
Hey, I'm trying to look on the positive. Yeah, here. I know you are. It's silly. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I was trying to. I was. I was saying to my if, kids. If I were there right now, I'd shake you and be smacking you and saying, "Don't you understand?" <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to be positive. The positivity. Why you always got to be negative? It's my says job. Guy, my says job the guy. Says the guy. Don't we gone through this enough? My job is to belittle you, and, <laughs> and to to make you feel bad about your entire existence. But it was nice that I won something. Yes, it well, was nice that you won something. Because and I split it with nice the other people. Alan, because... That Alvin cost you so much. Not Alvin. Alvin. <laughs> as far as I know, Alan didn't cost you anything. <laughs> <laughs> actually, my uh, actually Just my hundred roses for Alvin. Alan, I should say. See, had, had Alvin not gotten his uh, bowels in an uproar, you would have $1,400 <laughs> that you wouldn't have to play it against $1,200. Or you'd have $1,200. Yes, have but looking at the whole grand karmic scheme of things, perhaps if I didn't spend that 1400 I wouldn't have gotten that 1200 back. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Directly related, Bill. You're right. <laughs> I'm saying what goes around comes around. I saved the cat. Uh, that, that's, that's what that, that, that is the essence of, of chaos theory. <laughs> okay, Jeff Goldblum. Alvin was saying what goes around comes around. That's why he was getting so backed up. <laughs> it's not coming out. Ow. <laughs> Although I I am no longer doing Alvin's voice as uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know if I it's because I saw the Bane Cat video. I. I I post it up, but I'm now doing Alvin as Bane when he looks at me. Oh, jeez. You're doing him like the the muffled Sean Connery from... Yes, yes. Mm. Yes, you brought me my food. <laughs> Gratefully accepted. I thought maybe, you'd, you know, you changed his personality when you brained him with a hammer. <laughs> oh, you threatened me. You think you control me. Yes. <laughs> Watch as I spread my litter box all over your kitchen. <laughs> Back to the bin. So you guys want to do an episode today? <laughs> sure. Because <laughs> it's already quarter to 11, and I'm going to have to get to bed at some point because I'm getting up at 545. Oh, I wasn't able to write a synopsis, but I'm going to read one I found on the internet. You know, no, <laughs> you, you should just do it off the top of your head because this way Scott Reifen can make you develop some sort of insecurity. I actually confidence. wrote one this time. <laughs> yeah, yours is a long one. <laughs> yeah, but there's really not a lot that happens in it. Yeah, in mine, in mine I... I there's, there's, there's like four pages that I compress into one sentence every once in a while. Well, I'm, I found this neat site called UXN. It's uh, Uncanny X, X-Men Net. Man, they have got synopsises for everything. I mean, Mike's Amazing World is great for some just meat and bones. No, not meat and bones. like skeleton information on an issue. But they've got a brief synopsis, then they have a full synopsis. The full synopsis is probably about as probably longer than I would have written, but I'm I'm not going to read that. I'm just going to do probably the you know, the brief synopsis, and then we'll just talk about the book well, because Jeff, there's Jeff some... just uh, just pulled you out of the uh, 
the to- you know pulled you away from the uh, the crosshairs. <laughs> yeah, with yeah, I know. Marvel team up synopsis. So why would you want to step right back in front of them again? <laughs> well, that's why I'm going to read this other one. I'm going to give uh, props to the site I found it. I'm going to use their use their synopsis. And I will make fun of you, of, as always, because I don't I don't I don't want to be back in the uh, under the Rifen microscope. Well, he's a professional, so. What the hell was that? I think Alvin Alvin has taken over his seat. Yes, I have (laughs) removed the usurper from his throne. I am now in control. (laughs) All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Pins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and if you have not figured it out yet, I am being joined today by Alvin Robinson. Yes. <laughs> and the hair metal hero himself, Chris Tyler. Hey, guys. <laughs> Wonderful to meet you, Chris. I have heard nice a lot to... about you. Oh, oh, Jesus. You fight like a young man. Not holding back. <laughs> I have to hold back. If I don't, everything on me is just going to go. <laughs> <sighs> All right, that's enough Alvin Baincat. All right, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll have to fess up. We're not actually being joined by Alvin Robinson. If you didn't figure it out, it's Dr. Bill. <laughs> Hello. Say hi, Dr. Bill. Hi. And yet, for some reason, I'm thinking that's Alvin. I don't know. <laughs> All right. If anybody hasn't turned off the show yet, this is, I don't know if it's week three or week four of our X-Men Focus Month. And this time... There should, there should be three, because uh, well, I wasn't it, on for two. We're, it's the third one that we're recording, but I don't know which or, which order they're going to be posted, because this originally was planned to be the fourth one. Well, I may post them as planned. Planned, man. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah you know why? Because you're a control freak and you're I the producer. Am the producer. <laughs> you're the chairman of the board. I told you I would put this one up last. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> excellent, eh? Yeah. So, uh... Why don't we do some books? Yes, please. And if we go in our normal routine, then I would Bill, be. You were on first. I'm on first. What's who's on, on second? second? And I don't know who's on third. Mm. What's the name of the guy with the third book? Doctor Bill. <laughs> first place. Yeah. Doctor Bill. Bill. One more time. <laughs> Gotta watch Wapner. Yeah. So what'd you pick? I picked X-Men and the Micronauts, which is kind of odd considering what I picked for the first X-Men week in that there's a somewhat, re- well, was, well, this would be a pre-recurring theme or a precursor to what happens in that other book that I, uh, in the Onslaught book, whereas we have a point where Professor X is taken over by an evil entity. Or his darker side has come out. So uh, essentially, maybe 
Professor X needs to uh, needs to be put down. <laughs> he he's a rabid dog. He's turning into the entity onslaught. He had his evil twin in the womb, right? Right? Wasn't that Cassandra Nova? Yes. Yeah. So you know the guy's nothing but trouble. You know, he really just, they, they they changed him over the years from kind of the benevolent schoolmaster who you know maybe took his power a little too far as far as mind wiping people but but was always benevolent and fatherly they he was turned, a benevolent dictator from the start if you ask they, but me. they turned him into such a prick over the years <laughs> <laughs> starting with when he pretended to die in issue whatever it was 42 yeah well that's pretty early on so it's not like that wasn't very that many very you know what Four years, four years in, he became a but, tool. But you know, I mean, if you take it as it's written, when they, when he was, when he pretended to die, as far as it was written, then he was dead. Then they yeah. decided to bring him back, and they had to come up with that old. No, I was just well, yeah. preparing for the the Zanaks who are coming. God bless you. I was only partly dead. I wasn't dead at all. I feel much better, really. <laughs> Don't send me to the cart. I feel happy. <laughs> oh, don't be such a baby. Go on now. Meow. Meow. Bring out your dead. So, X-Men and the Micronauts. No. Ha- can you tell I'm stalling because I didn't actually write a synopsis? <laughs> and I don't want to be back on the Rifen Radar, the RR. The RRRRRR is very difficult. Once you're on the 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 Rifen radar, it's very difficult to get off of it. I'm sure his ears just perked up. Wait, somewhere Dr. Bill's synopsizing. Ha ha ha! He's gonna wait in the weeds and jump out and get me. Stop him before he synopsizes again. (laughs) (laughs) I am a repeat synopsizer. I will synopsize again. (laughs) So we gotta go to Synopsis's anonymous essay. Synopsinismus. <laughs> Synopsinus anonymous. <laughs> so did you do the entire limited series? No, 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 no. I'm just going to do issue four. And I'll, uh, that way everybody else can get caught up or they can go look at it themselves. Uh, but basically I do have a brief, brief synopsis. I'm not going to read the full synopsis I found. I found one online. I'm going to cheat. Cheat, cheat, cheat. Shame on me. Shame on me for not writing a synopsis, but but ah, I've got a million excuses, but I won't bother giving them anybody. I was just too lazy, I guess. <laughs> just say it like it is. Too busy coming up with new voices for Alvin. So basically, the issue we are going to ha- do today, today, tonight. Oh my God, I've lost my where is, I can't find my so page. <laughs> what you're saying is all the time you're saving on the synopsis, you're going to waste by procrastinating. <laughs> of course, that's that's the way I am. No, I here we go. I was looking for my my page from uh, Mike's Amazing World for the for the meat and uh, potatoes stuff. Uh-huh. And uh, okay, X Men and the Micronauts. Obviously, Marvel Comics cover date was April nineteen eighty four. Nineteen eighty four. I guess that would be. Uh, let's see, Van Halen album was out then, if I remember correctly. So, wasn't that Van Halen nineteen eighty four? Uh, yes. I believe that was. Yes, uh, th- and perhaps your hair metal hero would know. Yes, that, I, yes. I think that you was correct. The Scorpions. Uh, mm, was that Devil's the year Sting. before? Yeah, was that that year? Or the year before? 
Uh, it's pretty close, eighty three or eighty four. Yeah, yeah, because I I have a fond memory of sitting on uh, like uh, some school grounds, listening to uh, those things called audio cassettes that I had made, listening to. Uh, I had a mixtape. I had a metal mixtape. I had some Scorpion, some Van Halen. I had some uh, some. Uh, oh, uh, 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 uh. Rocking. <laughs> uh yeah yeah no no because it's one that actually reminds me of this cover uh holy crap <laughs> judas priest judas priest because on the cover of this is to to this magazine is that not rob halford from judas priest doing his you know doing the dark xavier yeah <laughs> he wasn't well 83 he still had hair oh well still i'm, I'm thinking of the rob halford now but you know but yeah. anyway, you know, he's uh, on the cover of this issue. We have Professor Xavier in his chair, but he's like, looks like he's belting out some good me- me- metal tunes. Or perhaps Daniel Moonstar behind him in the picture has her hand up as... I was going to say rectal. That could be. Like like some type of puppet. He does look like a happy, evil marionette puppet or uh, a, a metal singer whose uh, vocal tones are blowing the X-Men and the, and the Micronauts away because they're all shrunken in front of them and they're just flying away in a mass wave of energy away from Xavier while he sits in his chair. Yeah. And our cover credits are Penciler is Jackson Joyce and Inker is Bob Wycheck. And this cover date is April 1984 on sale in January. Cover price 60 cents. Ah, oh, the good old days. The good old days. And our writer was Chris Claremont, which is another reason why I didn't try to synopsis, because <laughs> synopsis I would have been here forever. And co- it's co-written by Chris Claremont and Bill Mantlo. And inside, Jackson Joyce, Jace, Joyce, 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 Geis, is a penciler yeah. again, along with Bob Wychak again. And the letter is Rick L. Parker. Who are you going to call? <laughs> Rick Parker. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> <laughs> And the colorist is Juliana Ferreter. So I guess she takes ferrets from place to face, place to place. She ferrets, ferrets. She takes ferrets to the face, yes. <laughs> I don't even want to know what that is. She's been hanging out with Richard Gere. I mean, oh, I mean. Oh, wouldn't that be Drubbles to the face? Yeah, yeah. Mm. No oh, comment. I have so much editing to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is what happens when you don't get Professor Allen. You get me. <laughs> Yeah, it's you. You just bring out the the, the bad boy in me. That's it. I yeah, offered yeah. it to Professor Allen. I think he snubbed me on this one. Snubbed I think he's, he's tired of having to beg to come on. <laughs> I'm not going to beg. I'll show them. I just won't go. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyway. Brief description of this issue, which I was able to pull off of a site I found called UncannyXMen.net. And uh, not to slight Mike's Amazing World, uh, uh, this site just goes really in-depth on the X-Men only. There's a lot of character uh, backstories, uh, histories on different universes. Family, They have a family tree, and I was looking at the Logan family tree, which is something that is going to be touched upon in your issue, Hero. Yep. And there was stuff in there I didn't even know about. I'm like, what? So... Uh, yeah, just ch- check out UncannyXMen.net. Uh, you'll get lost in there for hours. So, brief description of our book is that the Entity has taken over Xavier's body and proceeds to take over the New Mutants. 
And when uh, I say take over, basically, in the beginning of the book, uh, the entity in Xavier's body, which supposedly is the evil side of Professor Xavier, come out. Mm, where will we see that again in about, what, 10 years? <laughs> 12 years? Onslaught, anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Anyway... The evil entity in Professor X's body decides to psychically, psychically, he raped her with a, with a bicycle, psychically oh, rape. <laughs> he psychically rapes Daniel Moonstar, and uh, kind of uh, possesses her body and has her do his bidding. And then he goes along and he uh, sucks the rest of the new mutants into his plan. Meanwhile, in the microverse. Baron Karza, who is actually in Kitty Pride's body, because early on in the miniseries, uh, they were fighting, and she had tried to phase away from him, and somehow they ended up changing uh, minds. Uh, Kitty has attacked the X-Men, whereas Kitty posing as Karza leads Karza's battle fleet also to attack the Entity's world, not knowing that the X-Men are actually on the world at the time. And uh, But Kitty orders the bombardment stop which actually raises the ire of her um underling um the name of which it sounded like the sod I mean, I I'm, to... I'm sorry bill I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you for just a minute but is this oh, no. really are you really reading a synopsis somebody else wrote right now no i'm interjecting oh okay <laughs> i mean so, i could just read it. carry on i'm just i'm trying I'm trying because I didn't do my homework and I feel bad. Degrade. Degrade, which sounds a lot like the sod. I thought that was kind of uh, fishy. That, you know, I didn't know if they were trying to play off of, uh, you know, the fourth world Jack Kirby with Baron Karza being Apocalypse and Degrade being the sod, his un underling. But anyway, Kitty orders the bombardment stopped and stopped and teleports down and confronts Karza. The X-Men, of course, misunderstand the scene until Xavier, who has now taken over the entity's failing body, appeals to them and explains the situation. On Earth, the entity uses Cerebro to amplify his powers and start destroying the microverse, starting with Karza's fleet and the world the heroes were just on. They flee in the Micronauts' bioship, and with the help of Fireflight, sing their way through the wall to get back to the Earth. They return to the Earth and Xavier's school where they're attacked by the new mutants who, like I said, had been taken over by the Entity. The heroes keep the possessed teenagers busy while Xavier secretly enters the Entity's mind intent on purging him from his body. He plays a game of psychic chicken with the Entity by convincing him that he is willing to cause a stroke in his own body to beat the Entity. The entity, being a chicken shit, flies back to his own. Uh, that's an interjection, by the way. Flies back to his own body that has that has died and ceased to exist. The badly damaged bioship returns the X-Men to their natural height before it dies, and Fireflight returns the Micronauts to the Microverse. And that is the brief description, because I looked in here and tried to write it up and went, oh man, I just this is I don't I'll be here forever. It's Chris Claremont. I don't know how Mike yeah, Bailey. What the so hell was going on in this? Because <laughs> I am not. I have not read a single word of Micronauts. It was just a little bit before my time. Well, the Micronauts was uh, a line of comics that was spun out of um, the actual Micronauts toy line, and I I, re I read a little bit of stuff about it. Uh, Bill Bill Mantlo went to Jim Shooter and said, you know, I'd like to do 
I'd like to do this. You know, I think I can make a comic book out of this, which I, he was also big for doing that with, uh, he also did ROM from, you know, that was a comic that sprung from a toy line. He was also the creator of uh, rocket raccoon. Was he not Paul? Yes. Yes. You know, and and he did, he did a damn good job on micronauts and ROM, to be honest with you. If Mm -hmm. you read the first run of, of micronauts, the, uh, first story arc, uh, it, it's the first comic story that I ever read that I really felt was cinematic. And clearly it was, you know, ripping Star Wars off and a couple other things. But it was very well done and it was a really good read. Mm-hmm. That's all. What? And, well, no, and some of the uh, the artists that were featured in, in that first run, uh, Michael Golden. Michael who, Golden was the primary guy. Yeah. Yeah, cause, uh, and he's the one that uh, Scott won the poster from at uh, MegaCon this year. Oh, yeah. And uh, and also Howard Chaikin and Pratt Bodrick and Gil Roger Kane. Later, yeah. Yeah, and Butch Geis. So, um, yeah. It, oh, it was also, this would be, uh, it was also printed, uh, the Micronauts was included as a uh, supporting strip in Marvel UK's Star Wars Weekly starting in January 1979 for several months. And then it went to the first nine issues of Star Heroes Pocketbook. And yes, I'm reading from a website. Because <laughs> do you really think I have that much recall off the top of my head? No, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Don't, hey, yourself Don't put yourself down, man. That's what we're for. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, uh, this was just a four-part miniseries, which... I did read through this. This is deep. I mean, this is back in the era of a lot of exposition. I mean, I think this book is as dense as Hero's book, and your book is uh, how many See, pages? I don't think double uh, forty-eight. Yeah, and this one, you know, story-wise, I think is maybe twenty, twenty-two, and I, I think it's got even more. Just so many plot lines and so much stuff going on with, uh, you know. You've got Karza in Kitty's body trying to kill the X-Men. You've got Kitty in Karza's body trying not to kill people. In the meantime, uh, Karza's underling knows that something's up. So he's trying to kill Karza, which is actually Kitty. (laughs) And then you've got Professor X is now in the Entity's body because previously in the issue before this, Kitty had snuck in and had tried to kill the entity because he was basically the form of they had took the shape of evil in the in this in their micronauts universe and actually Karza and the micronauts and the x-men had all teamed up to try to fight the entity Karza had gone in and killed them but he wasn't he was mostly dead he wasn't completely dead and um they ended up switching bodies and the entity went to professor x's body in the real world and professor x came here so then they have to try to get out of the microverse to get back to defeat the entity in the real world in in earth 616 and not the microverse so but it's it's and i think in the second issue they ended up fighting that there was a uh, (laughs) (laughs) and then in the second issue (laughs) oh no i'm going off track no there was it, it was pretty cool in the second issue because the entity had taken the existing micronaut characters which uh uh marionette octurus ran acroyer and I think Royer. Bug, Royer, what is it? A Croyer. A Croyer? A Croyer. It's not, it looks like Acro Year to me. A-C-R-O. 
A C R O Y E A R. It looks like Acro Year. I don't know where you're getting your Aurora. What is it? Acroyo? Acroyo. Hey, man. I I spell him like I see him. (laughs) Arcturus Rananen. Anyway, they get turned into a uh, early version of the X-Men. Uh, the entity puts them into early X-Men outfits, and then they fight the the current X-Men. So that, that's a good issue, too. I, I'm, overall, it's a pretty uh, meaty miniseries, if that could be said. So I'm sure it's probably... I don't know if this has ever been trade paperbacked anywhere or not. It had to have been. That website doesn't say? I don't know. I'm looking. Oh. Wait. Wait, wait. I can look here and scroll down. Don't I find don't your anything. lack of prep disturbing. <laughs> I must be. Somebody had to say it. I must be purged. I must be whipped. <laughs> Do you know who I am? I'm Sato Noobspa. Oh. I, I like the artwork in the issue. I, I like the Butch Guys art. I think mm-hmm. it, it it fits the story very well. I think it surpasses the story, to be honest with you. I think Kitty looks pretty good in a bikini, but then again, I don't know how old she is here, so maybe I shouldn't say that. Old she's, enough she's, to she's fight. She's probably evil. about 15. Mm. Well, when I was reading this, that's how old I was, so it was it's appropriate. It's appropriate because... for you to be sitting here in your 40s and still saying that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm projecting back to when I read it. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't get what's going on here. Danny Moonstar's in, you know, I don't know if she's in a bikini or in her underwear. <laughs> I think she's in her underwear. <laughs> With and, Professor Xavier and, lording himself over her and then hugging her. And psych- well, it's because he cyclically, <laughs> again, he uh, raped her with a bicycle. and uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And he asked her, like that, did you, child? Yes. <laughs> well, then, if you're a good little girl and aid me in dominating the new mutants as easy as I dominated <laughs> Xavier and his X-Men, I will reward you with more of the same. Now, come on, man. This guy's a creepy old man. And this that is, is a... supposed to supposed to... Yeah, that's, you know, that's a serious dom and sub relationship going on right there. Uh, I mean, he's just got ugh, creepy old man written all over him. And this is supposed to be his evil side that just disappears magically at the end of this. It just died. Well, it was if it was it's, you know, OK, just like when Captain Kirk fought his evil side in um, where the one where they beamed him up and he got split in two. He still had to absorb his evil side back. Oh, I guess what? It became onslaught in 12 years. <laughs> that was my first thing when I looked at this. I'm like, is this an onslaught? <laughs> Have I read this before? This doesn't make any sense. This, I, I will be honest though, like this, I, I love a lot of the Claremont X Men run, but I think, I think his density in terms of storytelling did just as much to hurt what was what was to come with the X Men as it did to help it. Um, I mean, at a certain point, it's like the the Senna cannot hold all the stuff that's going on with the X-Men, which is why I was never huge into reading past, you know, his big run from, you know, the late 70s to the early 80s or mid 80s, whatever it was. It's like it's that, just... that can be read. The, yeah, that the stuff can he did with Byrne, you could read that very easily. It's it's dense, yeah. but, it, but it's 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 a fairly easy read. It's not like this thing where it's all over the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was this was difficult for me to read, and that's pro- partially because I don't know who the Micronauts are. Like I said, certainly the beginning of the Micronauts run, I would recommend. All right, 
Yeah, then there was a second, uh, I remember a second Micronauts series, too. The New Journeys. Hmm. I don't think I had this. I think I had the first run series. Yeah, I have pretty much all of the first run, which was, you know, I, I enjoyed that entire series. By the time they got to the New Voyages, I don't think I was following it at all anymore. And then Marvel mm. eventually lost the licenses to all of the toy characters, but maintained the rights to the characters that they created for the uh, series, like Bug. Mm-hmm. So every once in a while you'll see one of those characters pop up, like in Guardians of the Galaxy or something. Now, you see the outfit that the Entity is wearing. It's got like the centurion whatever mask with with the helmet mm-hmm. anybody that was portrayed in the first issue of this miniseries anybody that had been reading the x-men up to this point knew that that was something to do with professor xavier because that's always been his outfit to when he fights on a psychic plane yes. he always ha- had that outfit so it was like really no big surprise as to who the entity was <sighs> but they but they made this build up you know i'm like okay you, you gotta know who this is there was it was not real it wasn't a big mystery like when they did the onslaught stuff years later that you really there was a couple hints but it was just not that blatant in your face. Yeah, that's his I, kinky. I'm going to That's his uh, that's I'm his, going to go after 14-year-old girls and put on my conquistador <laughs> outfit. Oh god. And cyclically and rape them with a bicycle. Yeah, I'm not real fond of the I'm not real fond of the design of the bio ship. It just no? kind of—I don't know. Yeah. If it's a ship, it needs to be a ship. It's just like a big giant robot, which I guess it could be. You know, Voltron was a big giant robot, and he was five big giant robots. Well, that's true. Yeah, this Form one's of, one. And I'll be the head. Don't say that so good, so happily, would, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I believe the ship is the ship Biotron. Bioship is its name. Biotron? I don't. Yeah, I think all I had was Bioship. What I remember from reading. It's been a long time think... since I've read these. But yeah, and I then he was Biotron. And then in order to get back to the, uh, they had to get through the Enigma Force, which Ooh. is what provides Captain Universe with his powers. Really? Yes. Uh, hmm. The Enigma Force? Yes, the Micronauts that's, series is basically where, where the Enigma Force came to be. That's questionable. Why is that? Get what it? Do you mean? Enigma? enigma? Huh. Oh, Enigma. <laughs> Edward Enigma. Edward Enigma. Mr. Enigma. Enigma. Paging Mr. Enigma. Mr. Enigma. No, but the little uh, Tinkerbell character, Fireflight, she's able to sing their way through the wall so they can get back to Earth. That's almost a better power than Tesla. <laughs> you got to believe in Fireflight. Sing. We got to believe in it or else we can't get through the wall. Oh, God. <laughs> we got everything in this sadomasochism. Mm-hmm. We've got Tinkerbell. We've got Disney. Well, Lockheed was in it, so. <laughs> yeah. That's we had okay. the New Mutants getting their ass kicked by the X Men. So, how you rating this one? <sighs> On density of story? <laughs> No, on quality. On quality, even though it's uh, really packed, I mean, it, it is pretty much the a good crescendo to this long, long story. Although he kind of, I don't want to say he kirks his 
bad half. I mean, he plays chicken with him and he tr- he he basically tricks him because he makes him go back to his dead body and he's got nowhere to go. So you assume he just disappears. I got nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> Mayonnaise. <laughs> 20 bonus points to anybody who gets that reference. And if you don't, go watch an officer and gentleman. Or, or do yourself or a favor and don't. No, you don't. <laughs> And I, Louis Gossett Jr. is pretty good in it. That movie yeah. sucked. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, and David Keith hangs himself. So. Yeah. Over is a this, woman. Is that a Stevens grace for it? A woman. Uh, anyway. Oh, grade, grade. Uh, overall, uh, complete for the book, I give it a B. I don't know if I'd say A. Definitely B. Definitely I mean, B. give it a B. <laughs> Gotta be B. B from fat ass. I'm I'm giving it a C. I'm giving it a C plus for the artwork and a C minus for the story, averaging it out to a C. What? You don't like those cool barren barren cars of hands that can detach? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like I sort of the ladies. Those, I don't like this story <laughs> and how it's written. No. I love to have those hands in real life, you know. Yeah, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> no I was going to say hey hand me that tool wait I'll get it alright awesome or I can just choke somebody across the room <sighs> I, I have a room to stop from choking people oh, yeah. I like I like the team I need to have that power from, from a distance from a distance, the, the Icronaut. Once no. we go into Bette Midler singing, uh, it's time to end the episode, I think. <laughs> no, but I, I push it up to a B because I like the pairing of the X-Men and the Micronauts. It was something that was, you know, I mean, was it done to draw up more sales for the Micronauts? Possibly, you know, the team with the X-Men. But I, the, the X-Men at this point were not the big powerhouse that they would become in the 90s. They No, they were still a powerhouse by now. They were very popular at, at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Oh, I, that, that I, is, I think they may have been Marvel's top seller already. At this, at this point? point yeah. yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that's why I, I bumped it up to B. How about you, Chris? What's your... Uh, I honestly can't give it a fair grade just because I because there's nothing the whole, lower than F because <laughs> I because well, I didn't read the whole story I'll be honest the at honestly didn't do much for me um, it's pretty looks pretty standard model house style of the 80s to me um, well that's because story. you couldn't see it because of all the word bubbles <laughs> oh that's what oh, yeah Claremont script you're right um, I, you know what it's one of those things that if I had all four issues I'd, I'd probably give it a whirl um, I'd probably want to read some Micronauts first, though, just so I actually have a clue of what's going on there. But uh, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It 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 exists. It's a comic. You can read it. it had a good beat, and you can dance to it. Yep. Maybe. <laughs> you know what? I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Sounds to me like a C. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll go C minus. C minus. Then, if I'm, you know, got a gun to my head. And you do. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. So now we're off of this book. Huzzah. And on to Hero's book. <clears throat> oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> what I've got is a little slice of, of awesome 
called Wolverine, the Jungle Adventure. Welcome to a... the jungle! Oh, sorry. <laughs> there, there, there's some funny games in this. Uh, <laughs> it has everything you need as well. Um, so the cover date is 1990, but it went on sale December 5th, 1989. Cover price of 450 So this was an expensive one-shot at the time. Mm. Uh, and there's a reason why. It's 48 pages. And the art for the cover and the interior is Mike Mignola, uh, the earliest I remember ever seeing him. And the writer is the wonderful Walt Simonson. So you already know this is going to be the shit. Uh, Inko is Bob Wyatt, letter Ken Bruzenak, and colorist Mark Chiarello. And let me grab my lovely synopsis that I actually spent the time to write this time. So... This is a story that's been told many times before, basically, you know, the whole, well, we'll get into it, but this one has more Logan. We open up with an elder of the tribe of fire in the Savage Land telling the legend of the Wolverine known to them as the son of heaven, who will never be forgotten. We cut to the tribe worshiping a cigarette lighter as a small one-man plane. Imagine little Nelly from You Only Live Twice comes down after scaring the shit out of all of them, lands by them, scares the crap out of them. Um, and who jumps out but Wolverine? And he sees uh, he sees his cigarette lighter that they're worshipping for some reason. He grabs it and lights up a stogie, you know, because he's Wolverine. He's awesome. And, uh, you know, you find out the lighter was a gift from Nick Fury, which is awesome. And he and, and, uh, It's a little, little weird. I like it. <laughs> Let me sign this cigarette lighter for you. Well, I mean, they <laughs> did. Weird, you know, sorry. I like it. I like it. It's my novel continuity, man. And uh, so after Logan descends upon these tribal people, the tribal leader named Gak comes over <laughs> and <laughs> um, comes over and basically the two of them get into a huge fight because it's a Wolverine book and what would it be without a fight? Um, and Gak is wearing this big tribal mask, so we don't know what Gak actually looks like till later. Um, and uh, so they get into a tussle. Wolverine's having a good time, you know, like, oh yeah, you fight pretty good, blah 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 blah, you know, because he's Wolverine, he's cool, he's got to say all that shit uh, until he gets pushed too far, and then he lays the adamantium smack down on Gak. In the process, he makes himself the new leader of the tribe because might makes right and all that good stuff. The same night, after uh, Gak gets beat, Gak comes to where Wolverine is about to sleep, and lo and behold, Gak is a gorgeous, buxom, curvy, naked woman with red hair and green eyes. She offers herself to Logan, and his response is what mine would be, making the sweet, sweet mutant love with her. But, before Logan enters Gak's danger room, he recounts how he was attacked by a cyborg, back in uh, New York or somewhere and he got a strong sense from this cyborg's corpse to go to the savage land and see what was going on because this you know now dead assassin smelled like the jungle and Logan is just awesome like that he can tell where you've come from just by the way you smell so heaven forbid you meet him after taking a huge shit um, after several pages of Logan earning his keep and enjoying the simple primal nature of the tribe uh, he joins their hunts, and he finds himself a small measure of solace in his new way of life. The tribe tells him about the great honkers. No, not Gax. 
that come to kill their hunting parties, and those that have went to investigate have never returned. This is all after Logan takes down a great honker in the shape of a T-Rex, which we learn is also a cyborg who just killed one of the warriors he fought beside, but that guy's not dead yet, but more on that later. Figuring something is rotten in the state of Sauron, Logan throws on his brown and beige duds and goes to investigate why there's a Robo-Rex in the Savage Land. Tracking his way deep into the jungle, much like he did with Gak, uh, Logan goes underground into a very technologically advanced labyrinth and ends up falling into a trap set by none other than he who looks like a big blue robotic ape himself, Apocalypse. <laughs> this is all news to Apocalypse, who was not expecting company, but now he figures he can use Wolverine to create more cyborg assassins. Gak shows up and distracts Apocalypse, clearly pissing him off. And obviously the hirsute one does not stand for this, and using the lighter he got from Nick Fury, he escapes his bondage and gets to some serious berserker raging on old Apocalypse. The fight is intense, there's plenty of blood spilled, and Apocalypse gets turned to scrap by Wolverine, all while Gak rescues one of the tribe of fire who's still living and only partially cyborgified. It's the guy that we mentioned was not dead earlier. Wolverine thinks that killing Apocalypse was too easy, and he's right. It was uh, just a cyborg copy of another cyborg, which really is kind of weird. Apocalypse is kind of cyborgy, right? I can't remember. Well, um, no, he's... Oh, I can't remember. Right? He's like advanced mutiny thing. Yeah, whatever. He's always, so it was a cyborg copy of, of Apocalypse. So the real Apocalypse <clears throat> beams a holographic message to Wolverine saying, well, you just killed a corrupted cyborg copy of myself. Ha 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 ha. It was I who supplied your light to the caveman and who set the assassin on you. Because in reality, I wanted to bring you to the Savage Land to kill this defective copy for me. Ha 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 ha. Let me twirl my mustache. Well, Apocalypse has the underground lab rigged with gas, and he's planning on killing everybody that's in there and, you know, covering his tracks. I don't know why he'd give a shit, though. He's so far beyond everybody. Uh, so Gak and Wolverine and the rescued tribesmen run like hell, and Wolverine takes his lighter and lights it up and throws it into the gas, blowing the shit out of everything because he can't end, you know, a story without a giant explosion. And it also just happens to be... Um, you know, it lights off a, a giant volcano that was on the Savage Land because that's where Apocalypse's defective cyborg kept his underground lab was under a volcano. Because hey, that you know, you only live twice. References are coming back, hot and heavy. Um, in magma, magma. Uh, <laughs> the day is saved and the mystery is solved. And Wolverine jumps in his little uh, little Nelly and disappears off without saying a goddamn thing because he's Wolverine (laughs) and he's fucking awesome Uh, while the natives are chanting his name and they uh, are hoping that they have been delivered from evil and the great evil honkers the tribal elder finishes his story about how awesome Wolverine was and how everybody there is going to love him forever and the story finishes with a panel of Gak holding a small child that has her distinctly not jet black hair And, and mutton chops well, not yet. He'll get them, though. Yeah. If it's a guy, I don't even know. That, uh, now I have to ask before we even go into this, does this thing ever get touched on again? Not to my not, knowledge. Not to my knowledge, either. All right, so th- this really is a one-shot in every sense of the word. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And Did it's you a notice great one. Uh, the, the art, I almost had to do a double-take when I started looking at this because... 
to me, it looked like Frank Miller. And I'm like, wait a minute. So I went back. And I'm like, no, it's Mike. It's Mike Magnola, there, not, there are not Miller. Some panels with where the heavy blacks come in that definitely do look like some Miller. Um, like, I think Mignola's hand is a little too strong to get it entirely confused, though. Well, yeah, but it's just like one or two panels. Like the the first time you see the full face of Gak. Uh, yeah, I, I, that one I was like, wow, that looks really like like Dark Knight, Frank Miller, to me. And uh, I th- I actually think Mignola draws a prettier woman than. Oh Frank yeah, yeah, Miller's. no, no, no. That, that's why I was like, what? You know, and well, you know, he Wolverine has a thing for women with red hair and green eyes and and DSLs. Well, and she's a lot better built than Jean Grey. Oof. Oh hell yeah. I guess I'm I'm going to speak a little bit of heresy in that. Mike Mignola's style is not for me. Fair enough. Uh, I I mean, I think his storytelling is very, very good. But just the the very, very heavy, dark lines, the not particularly detailed facial features and not particularly consistent facial features kind of bother me. Yeah, you know, I think for a story like this, though, where it is just sort of, it's Wolverine and it's gritty, it, I think it works. And I like the work he does on Hellboy. I can't see him drawing Superman or Spider-Man. I don't think it would work. Um, I think for some of the stuff that's definitely darker in tone, I think his stuff works I th- very I well. Think he, I think he did a Superman once. I, I can't imagine. Wasn't it one of like. the Krypton series? Don't know. Like, um, I, th- I think his, I think for this book, his his style would have been even more fitting if Wolverine didn't fight somebody as known as Apocalypse, even though it turns out to not be the real Apocalypse. Yeah, because of course, can't actually have anything of consequence happen in a one shot, right? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. Which we'll get to more when I do my issue in a few minutes. <laughs> well, you know how he. Um, I don't know if you noticed how he got. The lighter. Did you see how he actually got the lighter? I can't remember. Did he get it like Christopher Walken in in uh, Pulp Fiction? No, oh, Jesus. no, no. Gak Gak had it. Gak threw it. Did to she him get after. it like Christopher Walken in Pulp Fiction? Did she? Uh, well, oh, she there, did. You're right. Yeah, there's one panel where Apocalypse goes to pick her up and carry her away, and she chucks the lighter at him, and he catches it between his feet, and then he lights it with his uh, toe. He he cuts his he cuts his boots off. He cuts the rope and he cut, cuts his boots off. You know, he, he he pulls it off and then he lights it with his toes, which had to have hurt. You know, you can't tell me that felt good. But but hey, he's Wolverine. And then he burns the ropes around his arms. So and then he's able to I get totally out. missed her. That's a that's a thing I completely missed in the ad. And now I'm looking at the page and it, Jesus, if you're not looking. It's tough to see because the lighter matches the background color. Yeah, it's just like this little rectangle with a little line coming from her hand like just if you're not if you just went by too fast you wouldn't see it because I, I i caught it see i i saw the lighter i'm like wait a minute how did where did he get the lighter and then i backed up and i saw oh that's how he got the lighter okay cool it was a nice little touch nick fury gave it to him yeah see it's all <laughs> dose six man dose six i still can't get over that though the autograph <laughs> nick fury he's awesome and then he ruins it. He breaks it. Hey, you know, he's got some things are more important than lighters. He does mention how he's bummed that, you know, he probably won't be able to get one because S.H.I.E.L.D. is in disarray at the moment, which yeah. I have no idea what was going on with that. Cause 
I think this is around the time of Nick Fury versus Shield. Mm, that's a boy. That's another chunky, meaty series. Big prestige books, six of them. That was the whole uh, the the council was overtaken, and they had these uh, other group of people that had. Oh, I can't remember the name of them, but they had kind of like infiltrated, much like Hydra. Hell, Hydra. I was and, about uh, to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's this is not the Nick Fury podcast. No, it's the Wolverine podcast. I mean, I don't think the story is honestly anything special, and it's not. It's the same. Oh, let's take this person in, and he's gonna, you know, it's Dances with Wolves, it's Avatar, it's Last of the Mohicans, it's. But it's got Wolverine and robot cyborg T Rexes. Just looking at at when Wolverine's having the flashback, and so it's it's kind of like drawing in more subtle color tones. Yeah, to let you know, Uh, on the first page of that middle panel, all the way to the right, the close up of Wolverine's face. Yeah, he looks a lot like Gilbert Gottfried with mutton chops. (laughs) Oh, don't don't ruin Wolverine for me. I'm no, no, blame, don't blame me. Blame Mike Vignola. <laughs> that's yeah. That's not the best representation. I've got a hang now. It just won't heal. Ah. Yeah, but for every panel like that, there's a panel of him covered in shadow and blood coming out of a cyborg T Rex. That's know? true. Okay, but what about the panel on the back, the back of the cover? Did you look at that? Well, is that beer belly Wolverine? <laughs> yeah. No, no, is... that's he's just beefy. Beefy, what the hell? What he's like? He's got like a a diaper on or something. What is that? He's got his X Men belt on with a loincloth. It makes perfect sense. And and about an about thirty extra pounds. He's all muscle. Fat man Logan. I don't know what that is. That's my Halloween muscle. (laughs) So where where are you rating this one, Hero? Uh, I've had the original. I have the first printing of this trade paperback, and I've had it since nineteen eighty. Oh, 90, whatever it was. And uh, I've reread this a lot of times just because I think the, the action, it's pretty... I mean, the fight with the, po- the fake apocalypse is is pretty awesome. Um, I, I, I'll i give it a solid 8.5. 8.5 out of 8 to F? Out of what? <laughs> I said 8.5 out of 8 through F. Oh, we're giving... <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm sticking with you it. You said a number out of, out like, of 8 what? through F. I can't be constrained by your rules, man. I'll give it. Don't give I'll me your rules, it. man. Well, if we a, convert that to numbers, right. F I'll is give it a, a six. I'll give it a B, a B plus. I'll give it a B plus. Yeah, I guess an eight and a half would be a solid B to a B and a B plus. Yeah. Uh, I'm giving it a C plus Fair because enough. I'm not just not a Mignola fan. That's all good, baby. Story is still pretty cool. Yeah. I'm. I'm going to go with a B because uh, I like the art a little more than you do, Paul. Solid B. A solid B. Solid B. Definitely B. B for Bill. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I give every book a B. I give everything a B. <laughs> I'm not crazy about the cover. I, I love the cover, and there's one very good reason why. Just a big butt. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like that's a big secret there. But that that kind of looks like a that looks like a yeah. Frank Frazetta cover. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly what I was just thinking. But it, I just I don't know. I just don't like the framing of it and all. It's I think I would have pulled it a little closer. I wouldn't have had the border around it. It's busy, and uh, yeah, it should just be more of. 
I think this was par for the course for some of these one shots back then because I think I want to say the Havoc and Wolverine and there's another Wolverine one one shot like this that has that border border on it like that. Yeah, I think it's in an effort to try and make it look more like a book instead of just a an issue of a comic. Mm. But I, I I didn't I think that failed. So whatever. Worst trade paperback ever. I've read it many times in the last twenty years. I love it. Alright. Anybody got anything else? Going once? Yeah. Or do we move on to book three? Yeah, this is a big one. The humdinger. <laughs> oh boy. Alright. I chose for book number three from January of nineteen ninety five the Sabretooth Special number one, which also had a hefty cover price of four dollars and ninety five cents on this one. And that which nice at the time was pretty pricey. And that nice foil chromium type wraparound. That's what I was about to just say. <laughs> and it was that it was billed as a special event with a wraparound chromium cover. Oh lord. Which is drawn by Gary Frank and it shows Sabretooth manhandling basically the at that time the current versions of the original X Men team. Because you got Angel, Marvel Girl, or Phoenix, Cyclops, Beast, and Iceman. Oh well, Gary Frank drew this? Yep. And everybody doesn't look anorexic? They don't even look like Christopher Reeve. Yeah, wow. <laughs> the story is titled In the Red Zone, and it's written by Fabian Nicieza. It's penciled by Gary Frank, inked by John Holdridge and Mark McKenna, colored by Electric Crayon and Gina <laughs> Mooreshead, lettered by Richard Starkings and Comic Craft, and edited by Mark Powers. The story opens with Sabretooth running in the sewer, and the narrator tells us the hunt is on. He wouldn't want it any other way. Predator or prey makes no difference to him. After months of incarceration at the Xavier Institute, Victor Creed, the savage killer called Sabretooth, is free. As he runs, his enhanced senses clue him in that he's being stalked, and he's jumped by a PED using Caliban. They battle, and Caliban kind of has the upper hand through most of the battle, but he lacks Sabretooth's killer instincts and is eventually taken out by Sabretooth, who electrocutes him with some power lines, which just happen to be running through the sewer right by the water. We cut to Jean Grey, who throughout this issue has an oddly angular butt. Yeah. Uh, and she's trying to track Sabretooth, but having no luck because he did something, or uh, while while he was incapacitated, he had gotten basically a Wolverine claw through the brain, and somehow that prevents them from uh, monitoring his brain. Anyway, uh, exposition, 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 and then we got cut to Bobby and Scott, Iceman and Cyclops, in their ultra '90s overcoats. They go to an apartment maintained by Sabretooth, which seems to be decorated quite impeccably for a bloodlusting killer. Yeah. <laughs> Sabretooth bursts in and bitch slaps Cyclops and is ready to claw his eyes out when a PED using Iceman beats him back, uh, resulting in Sabretooth escaping by jumping out of a window. Iceman gives chase but is thwarted when Sabretooth takes a hostage. Once he gets away, he releases the hostage and is confronted by the beast. Just as the beast starts losing, the cavalry arrives, but lets him get away again. Next, he's confronted by the angel, who's so badass that his attack is limited to pulling Creed's hair. Oh, <laughs> performing enhancing drugs. I get it now. Oh, PED. Finally. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, thinking I'm going ped. 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 
Like he he's not holding anything. I don't get it. So I, I'm sitting here. I type in PED. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. Ah! Okay, I caught up now. <laughs> All right. Should I reread? Should I read no. the synopsis up to that point? No, no. I'm 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 good. Okay, you could just listen to this one when we post it. <laughs> but uh, so Angel attacks and he pulls Creed's hair, and quickly he's taken out at that point. And uh, exposition, exposition, exposition. Uh, we're led to the conclusion that Creed is heading for the Massachusetts Academy to kill the younglings, or uh, uh, Generation X. Why? I have no idea other than he thinks it's mean. Uh, they go to Grand Central Station where Sabretooth is confronted by Jean Grey, who uses her telekinetic power to throw him through a wall and snap his leg. Uh, even though she's basically taken him out, Cyclops decides to help by shooting his eye beam at him and pushing him to the high ground where he has the advantage. <sighs> a large-scale battle ensues with Cyclops ultimately putting Creed down with a tightly focused beam to his forehead. And following that, an idiot cop decides to place himself directly into danger, resulting in Sabretooth committing suicide by cop. The story ends with Scott saying that Sabretooth won because he got exactly what he wanted, and that beauty killed the beast, yada, yada, yada. And we all know that this was Sabretooth's final uh, appearance because he was killed in this issue. <laughs> yeah. The end. Right. <laughs> Basically, well, this, this issue did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, it was it was it was an entertaining, you know, much much as we were saying with uh, Chris's issue. Uh, you know, it's a one shot where ultimately you, you know you try and tell an entertaining story, and then you know nothing changes the status quo except that some people might have been silly enough to think that Sabretooth was actually dead at the end. Well, yeah, this was pretty much the equivalent of uh, the Better than Dark guys. This was a punchy punchy run run. Comic, yeah, the there's whole, a the lot whole thing. of punchy run run. I mean, the the beast gets into it. I don't know if I think you skipped over the beast kicking his ass on the subway, no, smashing his face I, into the I, glass. I, I, I think I said exposition, exposition. Oh, exposition, exposition. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I did mention that he was that the beast was having the upper hand, but then Saber oh. got the upper hand on him, and that uh, that's when the cavalry arrived and let and, and, and let him escape. Sabretooth rips rips up uh, uh, Angel's wings again. Ugh. I mean, Angel is a lame character. I'm sorry. He's got those cool metal wings now. This is when he was after he was the apocalypse. Uh, yeah. Well, that's uh, horseman, and then that's changed back. And's uh, PED situation because he was, if you remember, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, a skinny, right. wimpy guy, and then uh, Apocalypse made him a, a horseman, and all of a sudden he was, you know, he, he was basically the X Men version of the Hulk. Actually, isn't there only one person in this that has not? been some minion of apocalypse at this point or will be in the future because you got angel you got didn't bobby become some type of horseman does he i sure i don't know he might have i know wolverine well wolverine's not even in here duh <laughs> which is amazing yeah it really that in itself is amazing that he's not in here so yeah and bob yeah this is the point that bobby's figured out how to really use his uh turn up his powers i think this was this must have been after maybe this is after emma had taken over his body i thought that was emma that taught him how to yeah but she had taken over his body and was using it in ways that he never thought of and that's what made him realize he had been like mentally holding himself back now while he while she was doing that was he taking over her body and using it in ways that she had thought of (laughs) Ooh, i don't know 
Hmm. But uh, this, great... this comes at a point like what what happened was I think it was an issue, in an issue of Wolverine where Sabretooth was running amok and Wolverine finally decided I got to take this guy out and he basically popped a claw into yeah. Sabretooth's brain. I think it was it was one uh, I want to say it was Wolverine eighty nine maybe it was just before Age of Apocalypse because that was one of the fade outs I think Wolver- uh, Sabretooth was actually in the Xavier Mansion held prisoner and Wolverine basically had basically said F it I'm done with you and popped his claw just as the Mcron Crystal Wave came and changed everything and made everything age of apocalypse is yeah, what I, I think that sounds about right. And then after, after that, as he was recovering from that, he was yeah, basically pretending that he was kind of, feeble. that he was, yeah, that, that he was Dustin Hoffman. Definitely a mutant. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was as, as a, uh, sneak peek to planet of the ace month. He was landing. <laughs> you, you cut him. You cut out his brain. You bloody baboon. <laughs> yeah. We're all very excited for Ape's Month. <laughs> yes, we are. But that's so. So he he basically was playing possum for a while, and then at this point he escaped and became a badass again. Of course. Yeah, he was uh, doing Forrest Gump. <laughs> Forrest Forrest Creed. But I'm I'm giving this. As I'm being somewhat consistent. I'm giving it a C plus. I thought it was an entertaining story, but you know, ultimately. You know, no, this, ultimately, if you never read it, it wouldn't matter. Yeah, I think I'd read this and actually forgotten. I thought you were doing a different Sabretooth. I thought you were doing, there's a, there's another, I guess, four-issue Sabretooth miniseries that came out. Either, I think, before this that had was Sabretooth and Mystique and talking about them. That's what I thought this was. I had totally forgot what this was until I opened up. But, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I have drip, this. One drawn by uh, Bill Sienkiewicz, I think. A Sabretooth miniseries, then there's another one, Sabretooth and Mystique. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. So, yeah, and I think that the Sabretooth and Mystique one, I think that's where you find out that Grayson Creed was their son, supposedly. I think that's right. Yeah. Did you read this, Chris? I, uh, well, I mean, there was a lot of words, but there really <laughs> wasn't a lot to read. <laughs> No, there wasn't. Yeah. Is this, is this for for a? Uh, it's a what 90s is this one? Book. It's like forty eight pages, but it's a very quick read. It's a nineties book and a half. Um, I did read it. I thought the action was okay. The artwork for most of the characters did not do much for me. Uh, I thought the beast looked amazing though. Um, mm. Iceman when he's all iced out looked pretty good too. It's uh, it moves along. The, uh, I enjoyed it. It's not. I, I mean, at this point, it's like this is where the X Men to me like once once that adjective list hit, it's like uh, yeah, this is just too much going on for me. Like that, you know. So it's it's not a an era of X Men that I'm super familiar with. But uh, I enjoyed it. I'll get you know I'll give it a better grade than uh, than Bill's book. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, yeah. it, it's amazing the amount of uh, control that Sabretooth has over his eyes because he can go yeah, from colors. <laughs> solid, solid red eyes to solid white eyes to to regular eyes with red pupils to red eyes with black pupils to I mean, it's amazing. It's, uh, that, I didn't know that that must be his secondary mutant power. 
Yeah. One, one thing I'll say about Either the story, that or he has a lot of contact lenses. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Well, one, one of the things about the story claw. is for, for a guy who's supposed to be on a blo- you know on a bloodlust and is totally out of control, I don't think he killed anybody in this issue. I don't even think he yeah, gutted he anybody in the issue, even though he was threatening it over and over again. No, 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 no. He killed himself. <laughs> Suicide by cop. I will say this. This is the era of the X-Men, though, where I love the costumes. I love the yellow and the, the revamp of the yellow and blue costumes. I don't, I don't like Jean Grey's costume in it. Because it makes uh, her butt look angular? She's got that no, angular well, butt thing going. Yeah, yeah, she should not be that angular. But, uh, yeah, her face isn't drawn that well either. But I'm, I'm not, I, I didn't like when she had the, the headpiece. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't like that look. No, her hair should be flowing. I, I wasn't crazy about it with Cyclops either. When he had the, you know, the 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 you know the eye the visor, and then the sides of his face covered, but his hair was all out. I, I either wear a whole mask or don't. <laughs> it was uh, business casual. It's yeah, kind. It's I, kind of the superhero version of a mullet. I, <laughs> I was just. I, I, I was just going to say that that he had the Billy Ray Cyrus look. Nobody has a mullet like that. Bill, you, can only, Bill, you can only aspire to having Billy Ray's mullet. Billy Ray Cyclops. Ooh. <laughs> I want to see that movie. That would be amazing. Oh, I, I got one more art thing. Page page 28 of the uh, the PDF we're looking at. The guy flying the shield ship. Uh, I'm glad they were able to get Mark Hamill from uh, Star Wars A New Hope. <laughs> I'm going in. He's turned his targeting computer Stay off. on target. Target. I, well, it's funny because you go down to the bottom of that page and uh, just look at how they have Jean Grey around. She's like, these are my t- Look at them. <laughs> <laughs> and and look, look at the way her, her, uh, her costume is designed to draw your eyes down. Draw your eyes right down. to the crotch area. X marks the spot. And and everybody is all the men are in awe because look, Beast is sitting there, Scott is bowed down on one you need one one, one knee. Yeah, well, you know, Bobby and Warren are in a well, Bobby and Warren. <laughs> Bobby and Warren are doing something in the back. We don't know what's going on back there. So there's a lot of ice and a lot of steam rising off that ice. Oh, <laughs> oh my! <laughs> is that a popsicle? Or are you just happy to see me? Oh Jesus oh. Christ! <laughs> and then. On page 35 at the top, it looks like it's right out of a little Annie Fanny cartoon. Yep. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, oh, the 90s. I'm jealous of that guy. I'll middle. buy that for a dollar. It really is. What <laughs> that's what the guy looks like. <laughs> if he was skinny, that's who he would oh, buy geez. that for a dollar. <laughs> Right. You guys got anything else on this one? <laughs> no, I'm just it's, scrolling through to see if there's any more. It's fun. It's fun. Nineties, punch them up. Yeah, I think that's and that's all you could. That's all you could get out of this one. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> that's all you need. Yeah, if you know, but by the standards, 1995, the average book was probably two dollars. So a 4.95 book. I don't know. That may be the problem with it. But it had that kick-ass cover. That's what you paid for. The foil chromium. Chromium age, man. 
<clears throat> this is the dawning of the age of the chromium. Age of the chromium. <laughs> All right. That's where we're going out. <laughs> Not a moment too soon. Show over. Show's over, man. Show's over. Game you over, man. Put her in charge. <laughs> <laughs> that is a movie. Well, maybe that's where we're going out. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by visiting the Two True Freaks section of www.forumforgeeks.com. Back to the Bins is produced in association with the Two True Freaks podcast, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com and is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Back to the Bins is a proud member of both the League of Comic Book Podcasts, which you may find at comicbooknoise.com league, and also the Comics Podcast Network, which you may find at comicspodcasts.com. Take a moment to stop by their respective sites and support their other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week.